go. Welcome to the Woodward's Filmcast with Mitch Abba and Colin Ward. Let's go and make the greatest movie ever. Yeah. All right. Camera. What the hell is going on? What a piece of junk. That's really not the case here. This is a great script. Look, here's the mic. Now you talk towards it. Here's your host, Kale Davidoff. Well, it is fantastic to hear your voices, guys. It has been so long. It's fantastic to hear yours, too. <laughs> How long has it been? It's too long. This is, this is clearly the, the longest we've gone in between episodes, right? Yeah. In, uh, in, in almost in over three years, actually. Yeah, I think it was month. It's been about a month and a half, right? What was the last one we did? Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh yeah, Wonder Woman. Mm. Remember when that movie came out? Yeah, I think it's still in theaters. I know MJR hasn't taken <laughs> down their uh, large cardboard like thing you can pose in front of. MJR, I miss MJR. Ugh. Well, it's more fun there, so you're really missing out. I, I'm completely missing out. Well, that was so long ago. Now it's the we're halfway to Christmas, and uh, uh, the Detroit movie is on its way. We just had a premiere at the Fox Theater, and uh, before you know it, it's going to be Oscar season, guys. Yeah. I would argue that it already is Oscar season because of the, some of the movies we've seen. Hot take alert! Hot <laughs> take. Oh, I'm I'm throwing out all the takes, hot or cold. <laughs> Well, welcome back, everyone, to this reunion, this this uh, over a month and a half reunion of the Woodward's Filmcast, your Detroit podcast for film, TV, news, and discussion. My name is Kale Davidoff. I'm here as I am every week with my friends. Colin Ward. And. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> and. Mitch Haba. Mitch Haba. We are. Uh, we're we're gonna talk. We usually talk about some news, and we talk about one movie, and then we give you some Netflix and video on demand recommendations. But today, we're gonna do some catch up because it's been so long. So we're gonna go through. We're gonna go through about every movie that we've seen since Wonder Woman uh, collectively, with the two the two anchor ones being uh, Spider Man Homecoming and Dunkirk, which uh, is the only two movies that we all all three of us saw. So there's a lot to catch up on, and we're gonna do it all on this one jam packed episode. Uh, and then before we get there, guys, how, how are you doing? What are you, you, how's the, the film and, and your television watching lives been since Wonder Woman? Um, pretty good. I've seen quite a lot of movies. Um, I've enjoyed going to the movies. I feel like it's been a pretty damn good summer so far. Minus like Transformers, but I didn't bother to go see that. So, uh. I mean, what else came out? Anything that came out that I didn't see is probably wasn't worth totally seeing, besides like the <laughs> Netflix ones. Uh, I, well, I, but seriously, every weekend has been a good, a good movie. Um, like it's it's top, you know, the one that has won the weekend has been pretty damn good. So, Colin, are you feeling the same way about the, uh, the summer of 2017? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm trying to. Yeah, there's like a movie every week that I want to go see, which is pretty rare. 
And there's still some that I haven't seen that I still want to see. Right. I feel like I've just not been going as frequently as, as I have in podcast years past. So I, I feel like I'm missing out on everything. And we'll, that will that will be well illustrated as we go through the series of movies that I haven't seen that you guys have. But um, well, it's it's good to hear that it's been a good a good summer. I guess I gotta I gotta I have to catch up my 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 myself. Well, it's your first see. summer in California. I could be doing something. Well, you think because there's so much to do here because uh but you'd think that i would see movies here right because it's hollywood no i would think that you were going to the beach and doing other things <laughs> nobody goes to the beach in california <laughs> <laughs> no one does. it's so it's a pain in the dick to go to the beach <laughs> i did what we did go to we we did i did go to universal studios mm, for the first yeah, time you're going to theme parks that's what you yeah mean. we we did like the uh we did the rides. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they we went did. To Harry, we went to Harry Potter World or whatever whatever you want to call it, and that was pretty cool, even though I've only seen three Harry Potter movies. Um, is, at, pretty, is the Avatar one at your one, or is that in Florida? No, I that's thought, at Florida Disney World, which I hear, I hear that it's pretty amazing. Disney World? I thought that was Disneyland. No, it's in, only in Florida. Wait, is Avatar Disney, or is it... Well, it's or, Fox, or is it? But but it's uh, you know they're they're at Disney World. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fox doesn't have its own theme park, so they. <laughs> yeah. Same with Warner Brothers. I don't know. I... So that's, why, that's why Harry Potter World is at Universal. Right. I, that's for some reason I thought uh, Avatar was also a Universal uh, theme park. Nope. Although. You know what I really want to do? If I ever go to China, the um, I'm sure I will at some point in my life, but the Shanghai Disneyland has like the Tron world and the Tron ride, mm-hmm. and there's just like neon everywhere, <laughs> and it looks really? cool. Yeah, I it, would, I would, I would do that. Did you guys like the Tron movie from 2010? Not really. No, it looked cool and the sound was good, but um, the story was non-existent. I yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I liked it when I saw it. Me too. But I, I think I, I went into it really with like fun. very low expectations, and then I was like, "That was fun." Yeah, I felt the same way. I think, but I haven't seen it. I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. That was like the first time we kind of saw the technology of making people De-aging. look younger. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Bridges. Interesting. Very interesting. Um. Before we get to our series of movies, um, any news you guys want to talk about? I, I, I think it's cool. We just mentioned that last Tuesday, the uh, Catherine Bigelow Detroit movie premiered at the Fox Theater. Yes, it did. Which, um, it seems to be getting pretty positive buzz, right? Yeah, I've, I've read mostly positive. There's some negative ones that um, are interesting, yeah. and I think we'll talk about it when... We see that movie, which hopefully we can get to next week. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about that movie. Are you guys, as it approaches a full theatrical release, are you guys feeling excited about seeing that movie? Or are you are you feeling trepidatious? Or what's what's what are the uh, what are your emotions <clears throat> going into it? I'm a little mixed on it. Um, I'm still upset about the fact that it's called Detroit. 
Um, but there's some pretty cool uh, billboards around Detroit. They they've really they've really advertised the hell out of it here, um, and they're talking about it quite a bit. But there is this uh, really neat like artistic bull- billboard in downtown that I really liked. But I just hate that tagline every time I see it. It's time we knew. Like, <laughs> I don't I know. know what the fuck that means. Like, yeah, I don't know. Colin, what are you? Uh... Yeah, are you, ready? St- are you are you ready to know? <laughs> I am. No, I I mean I'm like the same amount excited. I guess. I mean, I am a Catherine Bigelow fan. I mean, I've liked the past two. I really like the past two movies that she's done. So of course I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, I'm still like ro- eye rolling over the title and how it's being marketed and all that stuff. But you know, she's not really in control of that. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it when we do the podcast. But as cynical as I am about it, for a few reasons, it is it is pretty cool that there was a major motion picture world premiere in Detroit. I mean, that is that's pretty wild. Which why didn't we get an invite? We are the premier podcast, <laughs> right? More, more than that, yeah. Colin. I worked at it and I didn't get an invite. Oh, yeah. that's. That's uh, maybe that's that's a that's a rant for the for the podcast itself. <laughs> yeah. Also, I believe we. Or know- maybe I should just keep that to myself. <laughs> yeah, I, be- I also believe we know somebody who works at Annapurna. So. Oh, do we? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't noticed this. Yeah. We'll 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 talk about all that when we when we get to the the, the podcast. Then again, we didn't uh, complain about it, so until now, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Where uh, was our invite? <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, ask, but I was expecting well, one. Well, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you guys. Yeah, I I can't I can't be uh, using our press credentials anymore in Detroit because I mean I'll have to do that. I'll get I'll get into some LA premieres. You guys work on the Detroit premieres. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yeah. If you can get into like any red carpet events, be sure to bring like some sort of just record right. interviews on your phone and just like yeah. ask random questions, and we'll be sure to inject them into our podcast. Go up to Michael Keaton. Can you say this is Michael Keaton and you're listening to the Woodward's <laughs> podcast, please? Yeah. Well, even then he would get it wrong because it's the Woodward's film cast. God damn it. It's been so long. I don't know what we're called. And you're just going to play, yeah, now at the end of this episode, you're just going to play Cat People by David Bowie because it's the theme. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, any other news, guys? Um, else just, just really quick. It's two minutes of news. Two so, minutes of news. Go. Okay. So uh, I was really excited when I saw the news that Matt Groening uh, is developing something for Netflix, a new uh, animated sitcom uh, called Disenchanted or Disenchantment. I can't remember. I deleted it. Um, Disenchanted. And it's going to be a like Futurama, but in a fantasy world. So like dragons and shit. And mm-hmm. I just can't fucking wait because that guy has never failed. You know, Simpsons, Futurama, super pumped. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed that the Simpsons ride at Universal Studios took over the Back to the Future ride, so I'm a little uh, uh, bitter about Matt Groening. Colin, are (laughs) you excited about uh, Ron Howard taking over for Phil Lord and Chris Miller of the Han Solo movie? I think it's interesting. Uh, 
very it's, interesting. Especially because, like, I thought they were, like, done shooting. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I mean, Ron Howard just seems like an, such an obvious, like, choice. Yeah. A competent. Yeah. Like, look at Lucasfilm alumni. He, yeah. Wasn't he originally, like, I don't know if he was asked or he like expressed interest in directing Phantom Menace when it first started yeah, like yes, in development. That was, defi- that was definitely a, a thing. That would have been fun. Um, but right. but I about that about that though. <laughs> no, because I have another thing to talk about too. <laughs> 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Um, about that, the um, I've been reading a lot about it, and apparently, like the way, and I understand this because if you see any of their movies, the way Phil Lord and Chris Miller direct, it's very like like tossing out you know like the way adam mckay directs mm-hmm. um and i guess it just wasn't working for for the character um and and i know we talked about it in the group chat about like yeah but han solo is a funny character he's sarcastic but i guess they went too far with it and made it like really stupid so i think which i think pissed Lawrence kasdan off and also kind of pissed um what's shit what's the actor's name uh Alden Alden Ehrenreich off because they had to hire like a, a an acting tutor to like help him and stuff because he was struggling with just staying on task. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I'm very curious to see what it turns into. Uh, but I I don't know. We'll see. Like they, I still think that they they sent lightsaber dildos to everyone as a wrap gift, and then Disney had to fire them. Is that That's, is that, that true? That, no, but that, I want to start that rumor. All right, all right. I'll keep I'll keep sharing that around. <laughs> Did they they wrote the script for it too? Correct? No, no. no. Okay. Lawrence Kasdan did. Lawrence Kasdan did. Oh, well. Yeah. So much for it being young and exciting. Yeah. Well, Lawrence Kasdan is a very good screenwriter, but he is from the old days of like no fun. The words on the page are what are is supposed to be. Um, right. So I don't know. We'll see. But this isn't new. I mean, they've they did this for Rogue One, and they did this kind of for they they've you know changed around a lot of stuff with Force Awakens, and so we'll see. Um, yeah. But yes. uh, so next news, next news item. Uh, uh, Mar- Martin Landau died. Yeah, that's oh. sad. My favorite I, role of I his. Had the, I had the pleasure of working with him, and he was super nice. Which movie? And. Uh, movie, Mitch album movie oh. from Hallmark called "Have a Little Faith." And, okay, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's good, a good guy. Is he a really imposing? Was he a really imposing figure? Like he's pretty tall, isn't he? He was, yeah, he's tall, but not 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 uh, intimidating at all. More like, I mean, he played a he played a rabbi, and that's okay. kind of the vibe I got. Is he Jewish? Uh, I think so. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, but he. He, um, I love him in North by Northwest and uh, he looks great. Yep. Um, yeah. Was he in, yep. uh, any other, uh, any other news? Uh, uh, the Game of Thrones creators are creating a show based on alternate reality where the Confederacy, uh, or the Civil War didn't end in a Union victory. So basically, man in the high castle, but slavery still exists. Or elements of it. Um, I find it interesting. Yep. I think it will be interesting. I like David Weiss and D, or DB Weiss and David Benioff. Um, we 
of course, when news like this comes out, we get, you know, an outraged internet before even reading a script. Um, and I don't think it's warranted. So I, I'm excited to see it. I, I'm curious what they'll do with it, who they'll cast, whatever. So people are jumping the gun too early. Yeah, like you can't complain about that and still then watch Game of Thrones, which has like rape and like beheadings in yeah, it, and like, impalement. And, yeah, it's like come on, like yeah, it's and the and the same amount of people of color that a Confederacy <laughs> movie TV show, right, might have. right, <clears throat> that's true, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, my thing about it is, it just seems like if you're gonna make a movie about it, the the Civil War and slavery what you know doing it 160 years after it happened like what's the difference i mean they're gonna have blu-rays and wi-fi like what right what, what, what's the point really i mean i don't really understand it to be honest with you yeah i'm I, well that's why I, i'm interested outrage i just think it's like what if you, you know you want to make a point about racism why don't you just either do a movie about slavery or you know or do a tv show about slavery or just do a tv show about how people are racist today like i don't know what, what, like, what, what can they possibly add to do it in 2017 i don't know i think it'll just it'll be maybe an examination of like how terrible it would be for everyone <laughs> um but i i don't know the outrage is that it's like oh it's gonna glorify it and i just don't see why they would do that like why why would anybody write something like that unless it was like the new film by the KKK. <laughs> like, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> but you know, to to the outraged internet's credit, it was a really terrible press release. Like, it was them being like, literally, their quotes were like, "Yeah, we just we're just so we just got a bunch of people that have just done a great job of world building in this world where slavery still exists." Like, the 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 verbiage was like, <laughs> they're fantasizing like, about it. <laughs> yeah, like it's just such a great like little world they've created where everything is just terrible. They just didn't, didn't sound right. <laughs> um, but we're just really cynical and sad here at the writer's office. And <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to spend all day thinking about what would slavery in America be like today? And we've just come up with some great ideas. <laughs> That's just what it sounded like. And that, so I get why people were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still know, gonna hold also, out. Also, also to the outraged internet's point, you know, you get these TV shows like Man in the High Castle and this Confederate thing, and why don't you ever get a TV show where the African slave trade never happened? You know, like what? Why doesn't? Why does that never happen? True. Why is it always? Because it did happen. No, I know, but it's always like, what if this didn't what happen? If, what if the bad guy won if, instead yeah. of like? Why didn't anything terrible never happen? Right. I don't know. Because the only way you can examine <laughs> something is if it happened. Well, but you you could do a movie like that. Like you could do a yep. you could do a TV show of like what if the Holocaust didn't happen? Yeah. Like what if? What I mean, if but, so they, what, but what, that's what, like <laughs> the Confederacy didn't win, so that didn't happen. So well, like I've se- I've seen a movie about what if JFK didn't get assassinated. It was a terrible movie called Time Quest, but it's mm-hmm. the, you know they try to they try to say well here's all the good things that, like you know like the vietnam war didn't happen because of that and etc um okay so what do you get what movie would you make if the holocaust didn't happen 
Well, I I wouldn't make it at all. Exactly. Say, <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> it's never. But, but I guess you know, it's like, a lot harder to. You know, a, a world where the African slave trade didn't happen would. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I think it's stupid too. But I'm just saying, why doesn't that ever come across the table? Because it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> what? Neither is this. I I think the the problem is it's like evil things make good television. Of course. <clears throat> so like, and it's hard to predict what something would be like if it didn't happen. Like, uh, it would be kind of boring. Like, oh, so if the African slave trade never happened, then civil war never would have happened, and then, but then, like, where's the conflict between good and evil? It'd be there? one episode. It's just like everything's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's just well, utopian it's like society. That. Like World War Two never happened. <laughs> Fun. That, that's Yay. not necessarily true. I mean, on the flip side of that, you've got Inglorious Bastards, which is in effect a, an alternate history where the good guys win and the bad guys don't succeed at all, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, or you, you at least get a cathartic revenge that never happened. Mm-hmm. So, like that could you could do a, 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 a some sort. Of, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. What if, like, like you know, you could do like, what if the Civil War didn't happen, but a Southern revolt succeeded? You know. That, that could be interesting. Like Nat Turner, you know, became a, a full-on revolt revolution in the South. And there was like an entirely black state. Right. You know, something like that. That'd be that cool. Could have, you know, that could be a thing. That'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Alternate, I think alternate history stuff is all stupid, but... Isn't, if, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there like a big novel series about like what if the Confederacy won the Civil War or like... I think I, I read that while oh, reading. It's called Birth of a Nation. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> True. The KKK saved everyone. Here they come they to save the day. They didn't, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't present that as alternate history. Yeah. No, that's what happened. <laughs> so fucked up. All right. Um, well, we can get outraged about that again when it comes out, when the first trailer comes out. I look forward to outraging with you guys. Who's um, raging? Let's you uh, let's go through these films. We'll, we'll get to Spider Man and Dunkirk as our kind of anchor movies, but let's just go through a list of films that um, some of us have seen. Um, we'll start with the only one that I've seen: I, Okja, Netflix movie. Yes. Yes, uh, Colin, you saw this. Mitch, you did not. No, I'm a baby. I don't want to see anything that makes so, me sad about dying so, animals and. So, Okja is a movie, Colin, what's, what's Okja about? Explain. It's set today, yet in the future. Um, yeah. About this, um, I'm, it's, they're like a food supplier company, I'm guessing, that um, invents or discovers this um, new type of pig. And uh, they want to mass produce the pig, but they're trying to roll it out in like a very humane, like, almost like American Idol way yeah. where they find like the best pig and it's going to be the prize pig. And then uh, like they flash forward like 10 years when the pigs are like fully developed and we can see where they've um, been and we follow this one and it's like the prize pig, but you realize like what's going on underneath this and their real intentions behind this whole like marketing campaign and the relationship that the pig has gone is um had with this younger kid who I'm not gonna remember their name or pronounce correctly, so I'm Hold not on. even gonna try to do that. Hold on. <laughs> um 
Oh, it's in first build, so I can't sort it out right. Oh, is it uh, Seo Hyun An? Sounds right to me. Mija? Yeah, Mija. Okay. Mija. Directed by uh, Bong Joon-ho, or Joon-ho Bong. Mm-hmm. Same person who directed Snowpiercer and um, what's the other one? The Host. The Host, yeah. Good director. Yeah. Colin, I, I haven't seen those movies. Have you? <clears throat> uh, yeah, Snowpiercer is fucking awesome. Did you, which I, I, what I know of that movie is nothing like Okja. Did you see Yes and no. And, <laughs> really? Yeah. I, yeah, there's Please. definitely similarities. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, um, I liked Snowpiercer, but I, upon like, when I think about it harder, I'm like, eh, it's, it's got, it's got its problems, but, but it's still, it's a, still entertaining. It's still a fun fucking movie. Stylized and yeah. entertaining. It's like, so, a, like a video game almost. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. So this is a movie essentially about the food industry and, uh, the ethics of eating animals, basically. Yeah. Um, Mitch, did, did you not want to see this in fear of second guessing your lifestyle? Um, well, yes and no. Because, uh, like, I love, I, I don't know, lately I haven't been eating as much pork and beef, and I've been eating mostly chicken. Um, it's fucked birds. Yeah, they're they're kind of dumb. So, whereas, like, it's like cows and. Pork or, or, you know, pigs are a little smarter and mammals. Yeah. We're all about mammals. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I was a little. I was just concerned. I I get sad when I see animals that have emotion like get scared and m- murdered and, you know, it. I don't want to think about it. And I know that's like willful ignorance and stupid, but like, I also am six foot five and weigh two hundred pounds and need meat. Like I can't not eat meat, so it, and I have these canine teeth that are sharp, and it's just not easy to to go vegan for someone my size. I know people do it, but I'm not about to change my complete lifestyle. I've changed my lifestyle enough. <laughs> it's, it sounds like you are. There's a big F factor on why you haven't watched it yet. Yeah, um, Colin. So, firstly, what do you think of the movie as a movie? Um. It was really different than what I thought it was going to be. It was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to yeah. be, actually. Um, hmm. There's, like, some, like, slapstick moments in there. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. I think Tilda Swinton is, like, balls to the wall in this movie. I adore her. When is she not? Yeah, she's great. Um, and the the animation of Okja is really, really impressive. Um, in... I never once like questioned it was like a like I knew it was a computer generated image, but like it seems so realistic to me, and um, it was a real surprising movie to me. Like it was so different than what I thought. I really thought it was gonna be much darker, much like intense than what it is, and it is intense. There's definitely moments of of that in there, but um. I, yeah, it was it was it was way more enjoyable, and <laughs> that's a weird word to use for it. But I thought it was going to be a chore watching it, and it wasn't because it was so stylized and so well acted and um, executed. It's it's a it's a really good, interesting movie, and gets you thinking. 
Yeah, it definitely gets you thinking, and I definitely agree. I think it's it's really a fantastic movie, and um, I enjoyed it. It definitely was funnier, like you say, than I thought it would be. Um, I liked all the acting. I, I think that he, I liked him in the beginning, but did you think Jake Gyllenhaal kind of uh, started chewing the scenery at the at the tail end of the movie? <laughs> That's the only thing I yeah. go back and forth about this movie on is his performance, and I think some people will really like it, and I think some people will be really turned off by it. But yeah. we all make choices, uh, and he made a choice. <laughs> <laughs> he did just stick with it. So yeah, yeah. Um, we'll wrap it up. But uh, did you cry? <laughs> um, no, I didn't actually. Um, really? No, because I mean, I've seen a lot worse movies about animal cruelty than Oakja. I I can send you one. The Cove? No, I uh, <laughs> I worked on a short film. I I did a short film where we. Uh, uh, we slaughtered a pig. <laughs> oh yeah, what was that called again? That sounds like Friday Night Girl. <laughs> it's called it's called the slaughter. We didn't actually do it, but we did film it being done professionally, and then incorporated the shots into the movie. Um, that must have been interesting. Uh, it was that was the craziest thing of my life. And you know what's funny though is that after we did that, and granted, I was younger and probably you know, more, as you say, willfully ignorant back then than I am now, but. When I did this the slaughter short film and we we witnessed the the killing of a pig that we did eat actually we did we did take the meat uh, to a restaurant in Birmingham and and uh, ate it uh, but even back then witnessing that and being a part of that experience I did not once question uh, eating meat and I I did after Okja the next day I, I did feel weird a little bit eating a, a chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't cry either, Colin, but I did. I, I thought about it a lot more. To uh, me, um, it was not necessarily like you shouldn't eat animals or meat. I got like a way more like the American industrialized, like mass production of animals and the way that they slaughter them is not good. Right. Um, and I mean, I think people who, who may humanely um like slaughter. slaughter their own their like killing what's like catch and kill uh, like yeah. or kill and catch i don't know and but people who like hunt their own food and then like oh they do it themselves and they and they um well yeah and then you, the yeah if, if you can hunt and kill your friend. own meat like that's more power to you yeah or you know like a wide open grass fed <clears throat> you know yeah. like, they're not jammed in, in yeah, like a yeah that's acreage I mean that's that's a serious problem um, in this country, yeah. and so you can definitely take steps to not to get too preachy, but like take steps to get to where you're eating a more humanely treated animal. Yeah, might I suggest halal? Halal <laughs> or slaughter? Kosher. What's it? <laughs> or kosher? Or kosher? It's yeah, harder to find. Yes, but if you like pork, then kosher. You're not gonna find anything. No. But um, I don't have my Hebrew national dogs. <laughs> not pork. I know. There's something in there. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kosher something. Um, yeah, halal is different. They like they like pray while they do it, which is fascinating. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, they like like thank God, and then they slice its throat. And they're like, oh, all right then. No, but Sweet. I mean, at your like local farmers market, you can definitely find like yeah. local farms that do all this stuff. And 
Right. Kale, when you drove out to LA, did, or did you drive out or did you fly? I flew. Oh, okay. Well, when I, when I flew My out. My arms are exhausted. <laughs> Jesus. Um, when I, when I uh, drove out a long time ago, uh, we drove past a cattle farm in Texas, and it was kind of gross. Like, well, it smelled terrible. There was no escaping the smell, despite like turning off the vents in my car. And like everything was just like, it was just mud because there was so much uh, feces and, and cows. Um, there, it just wasn't, it wasn't enough space for the amount of cows in that, that area. And uh, it was, it was eye opening. Yeah, I do think, and I think on that point, Colin, you're right. I think the the film definitely, if not to tell you to not eat meat, is definitely a criticism of the way this country mass produces uh, meat and and food and and just the industry of it all and how kind of ridiculous it is. Yeah, like what's the the line? I th- right. Someone someone asked, like, how did you do it to make this pig uh, like the biggest and Mija's character is like, um, we just let it walk around. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you all know what the future is. Lab meat. And that's what this is, basically. So, yeah. Well. I do recommend, I recommend it, Colin. You recommend it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I can definitely see how people, yeah, how people, why people would be turned off to it, but. Um, I'll see it eventually. I mean, if you've seen like something like Food Inc., like Food Inc. was way harder to watch for me than Okja was, and like that's not even that bad. Right, and like you say, I mean, for the most part, it's a fun little adventure. Honestly. It is. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Go ahead. Nothing. I was gonna say Tilda was... Swinton is uh, is billed as two characters. Does she play twins again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <does>. Yeah. <laughs> She's so, Tilda, that monologue Tilda. in the beginning is so great. It, Tilda Twinson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys both saw Baby Driver. I did not. How was Baby Driver? Um, I mean, R- hold really? on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was typing in. Like, like, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. The movie okay. Mitch has like been excited for for like two years. He goes, uh. no, no. I, sorry, I was typing something <laughs> in my computer. Uh, so good, you're speechless. No, I, I loved you're Baby Driver. Speechless. I loved Baby Driver. There are some things um, we'll talk about that I didn't like, um, but overall, it's a super fun movie. Um, the editing and pacing and music are all tied together, like the beats of the song are tied in with gunshots and squealing of tires and impacts and cuts. And it was great. And it was funny too. There were a lot of funny moments. Um, it's a uniquely Detroit movie. Uh, it's a lot of Motown and a lot of cars. Uh, yeah, a lot of muscle cars, a lot of, um, yeah, just like Motown music that I really liked. Um, and there's good performances too. Uh, John Hamm is great in Mm -hmm. it. Jamie Foxx is great in it. Um, I, I wish I I wish I could say that the female characters in this movie were great in it, but there's only two. So, Colin, <laughs> yes, no, it's. I don't know why I was so surprised when I saw this movie because considering his past work, but in Edgar Wright always being a real like musical fluid director. There's like this 
scene in pretty much the beginning yeah. where our main character played by Ansel Orgut, Elgort. Elgort, sorry, is walking to go pick up some coffee. And it is one of the most musical scenes like mm-hmm. I've seen in, you know, the past like 10 years. Right. Like <laughs> it's all one shot. Too. This, this movie <clears throat> to me was like more a musical than La La Land was like, it is so perfectly rhythmic and timed and thought out. And like Mitch said, with the gunshots, everything is so well choreographed. Uh, it was really, really fun to watch. And it is a fun movie. And the action scenes are really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that first chase scene also is super fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really well shot. And the action, you can see the cars driving. And um, yeah. that And that first scene is really cool. And if you didn't notice, because I saw it twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, if you didn't notice, he's singing. He's, um, I think he's dancing, singing, and dancing, and walking to the song "Harlem Shuffle" by, um, oh, who is it? Uh, but but in the background are the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Like the lyrics great. of the song are like graffitied on walls and like on posters on on windows and stuff. So like, as they're he's walking by them, they are, um, yeah, they're. There, the lyrics are everywhere. It's great. It's um, Harlem Shuffle by Bob and Earl. Mm. I didn't realize how. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm trying to stay away. I've been trying to stay away from any details about this movie, to be honest. So I'm surprised. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'd recommend the soundtrack to you, but I think you should see the movie first. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to know before I go in. And it's a it's a movie you should see in theaters because mm-hmm. the sound was great. Um, it's just a really fun experience. Yeah. yeah, I think that would translate much differently if I saw it for the first time on, you know, the TV screen. It is definitely like like we were saying for how much of a well choreographed you know piece it is like it's definitely something that should be seen on the big screen yeah and yeah everybody i've talked to loved it like and i haven't really talked to anybody who was like this is bullshit you know this is garbage they did they have their problems with it mm-hmm. which we'll talk about right now mm-hmm. but but um yeah that it's super fun like and i think all ages besides like young kids will enjoy this movie what didn't you like about it so no spoilers yeah uh, it's gonna be hard but uh, so we won't do spoilers they're, they're the female characters are not well developed there is a vi- there's a bank robber female character who is pretty much just a piece of ass um <laughs> and she can't act sorry but but every time you you see like i saw like press clippings she was her name was in there because she's a very attractive woman um there's just nothing about her character that is interesting besides she's like John Hamm's arm piece. Mm. Um, and she's, she's badass at times, but like also it's just not needed. Um, well it would be needed. She'd be needed if she had more development, but also the, the main uh, love interest character is so underwritten and so uninteresting. I mean, the chemistry between the two is great, but there, there are things she does that are extremely problematic and confusing given how long they've known each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I just, you know, I would have loved maybe one or two more scenes with them together or yeah, just more development between their relationship to, to 
justify some things that happen. Yeah, they do have a really good chemistry um, mm-hmm. between the two, and their their dialogue <laughs> back and forth is really like fast paced and fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I love their discussions about music. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, they're, they're, they she makes a decision that's like why, um, yeah, and mm. why he like wants her like I, well, I think he wants her because he's got a little bit of a yes. I, I, it's always overused but a little bit of an Oedipus yeah. uh, complex because um, his mom his mom is a major f- um, fixture in the the movie and she dies uh, before the events of the movie obviously and. Um, she used to work at the diner that she works mm-hmm. at and she kind of looks like her and they both love music. It's, it, it kind of like, it's a little weird. Um, but, oh shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, I forget. Damn it. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, you definitely sense that, um, that's why he likes her. And, but even like both, both, characters i'm just like why are they like rushing to this decision like to me it was like what i think the movie itself goes on like maybe 15 minutes too long 15 20 minutes too long um maybe that end is pretty drawn out yeah i liked it though it was a good way of of resolving like you know resolving things and and kind of setting up they're talking about a sequel yeah but we'll see but uh the i wish the character would have and I'm trying. I'm trying to walk around this for Kale, and any listener who hasn't seen it, the character makes a decision to leave another character. When like that, I feel like the relationship between the two the two characters that he, the one that he left behind, is like such much stronger and like relationship to have that it was like, why are you choosing this character over the other character? I I don't know. It was. I really like that scene that happened that when he left him behind. But it just, I was like, why are you choosing this person versus this person you've known your whole life? Right. But not that it really matters in the end. But <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I know what you're saying. That was an emotional scene. Though. It was, yeah. I, it was that was really like well the done. time where I felt like I was going to cry. Yeah. Um, but the, he, so he, um, he has this, he's, he has no parents, and he has a foster father who's uh, disabled and uh, deaf. And they sign to each other. And I loved that relationship. Yeah. And I, again, I would have liked one or two more scenes with them together. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, a, it's a really good movie. I think, I think you'd really like it, Kale. And I think anybody who watches it would really like it. Um, it's just fun. It is. It and is. the music is just great. I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot. So Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Is it is it uh, an homage movie that Edgar Wright does so often? Is it that kind of film, or does it seem like it's its own thread? I mean, or it's hard it for a own cloth. Yeah, it's hard for a movie that is a bank robbing chase movie about like a guy trying to get out of that life to not be an homage movie because it's right. such a you know common story trope. But it's you like all of Edgar Wright's movies; they're unique in their own way. So. Um, I describe it as baby driver is like drive, but more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think in a way it's an homage, but in another it's its own thing. And, uh, I really liked it. I'm kind of annoyed how charming Ansel 
Elgort is. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's very good in he's it. He's super charismatic and charming. Yeah. I like there there's a scene when they first meet, uh, they're talking about like oh her name's Deborah and it's like oh there's uh, there's songs with Deborah, you know, about mm-hmm. the name Deborah and it's like oh my she says my favorite is Deborah by uh, Beck, which is a great song and they they play it. And then uh that she asks him his name and it's baby and he's like baby like what and he's like well every song is about you and he says his favorite song about deborah is by trex instead of t-rex and like she's like trex (laughs) you mean t-rex and there's just like a cute moment where he's like uh yeah t-rex like he didn't know that was actually how it was (laughs) called (laughs) which happens Can't wait. Well, I will see it and let you guys know. You guys obviously recommend it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's probably in my top three I've seen this year. Yeah, definitely yeah. in oh, my wow. top. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, did anyone see The Big Sick? I did. I didn't. Mitch, do you recommend it? Should we go see it? Yes. Should we wait, should we wait for it to be on video on demand? Um. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to support. It would be cool to support it, but also, right, um, not necessary. Uh, it's very good, very very good. Uh, directed by Michael Showalter, who directed, um, Hello, my name is Doris, and uh, I think he also directed Wanderlust, which mm-hmm. um, he's a part of Wet Hot American Summer crew, the state and everything. Um, and he directed Baxter, the Baxter as well. He's a very good director. He's starting to come out of his shell as a, a director. And uh, it's a, based on a true story. Um, Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily um, Gordon, met a long time ago, like late 2000s. And she, within like a couple months of them getting together, just like starts dying like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And they, she's in a coma for two weeks, and it's about basically Kumail meeting her parents and getting to know her parents while she's in this coma. Um, obviously, there's you know liberties taken with the story and to make it more cinematic, but it's really good. And I I expect um, screenplay nominees or nominate a screenplay nomination and possibly a supporting actress nomination wow. for Holly Hunter. She's amazing in it, and Ray Romano is really good in yeah, it too. Yeah, I've heard he's really good. Yeah, it's it's a really emotional movie and really funny. There's great jokes in it, and it's just it starts off as a normal romantic comedy, and then it becomes an entirely different type of romantic comedy with the relationship between him and her parents getting to know each other, um, and it's a really beautiful, <clears throat> well-made uh, drama comedy romantic movie those are always my favorite when they like they start off like really conventional but then something happens and it's like oh this is a totally different movie mm-hmm. and it's also about um how kumail is you know he's an american he's from pakistan but he he has become come westernized in the sense that he no longer prays to um to allah he doesn't want to do the arranged marriage thing that his parents are trying to push um, and basically his family is just kind of disowns him because of this. Uh, and he doesn't want to be a part of that. And uh, it's about their relationship as well, mm-hmm. trying to like reconcile. 
um, which now they're obviously fine, but, but it's, it's really fascinating and really good. Highly recommend. One of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah, maybe I'll try yeah. to see it this week. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see it as well. Yep, very I, good. Uh, yeah, Holly Hunter was in uh, Batman vs Superman. Right, she uh, played the senator. Standard. Yeah, she's 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 a nice person. The PGR uh, receiver. Yeah, this poster sucks though. The big sick poster. <laughs> I I don't get this shit. It's them on a beach in front of Chicago. Like what the hell? What is, it just what it doesn't tell me anything about this movie. <laughs> Isn't it like sorry. holding like it's a red so balloon stupid. or something? Like, yeah, posters just these days, man. I don't get it. Yeah, that is dumb. Well, they're on a pier. <laughs> they're on a pier, but yeah, it is stupid as Are hell. Are they on a pier? Yeah. Are they on anything? <laughs> this could easily be the poster for Dunkirk if you get rid of the skyline of Chicago. <laughs> right. And <Yeah>. Kumail. <laughs> and yeah, and the, uh, the Pakistani-looking people. Um... Well, that's good. It's, I'm I'm glad to hear that's good. I'm gonna. I, I really do want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It also stars uh, like Bollywood legends. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anupam Kerr. He's been in like a thousand Bollywood movies. So. Yeah, I uh, looking forward to it. Um, so the big sick was not the big suck. <laughs> Definitely not. One of the best <laughs> I've seen this year. And that's going to be a theme as this episode goes on, <laughs> I, I feel. So, yeah, yeah hi- uh, highly recommend. Colin, does that does that theme continue with the Beguiled uh, that you saw? I don't I don't think either Mitch or I saw it. I know I didn't see it, but you didn't see the Beguiled, did you? No, I did not. Um, Colin, do you, I don't even really know much about this movie. How was it? Um, no, that theme does not continue, but that's not to say oh. that. <laughs> that's not to say that the Beguiled isn't a good movie. Um, Sofia Coppola, right? Yeah, in let me just start off by saying like it's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, it's shot really impeccably. Um, definitely like Southern Gothic candlelight. It's really really beautiful. Costuming beautiful. The all the performances are really great. Um, everyone from Nicole Kidman down to the actress who plays the youngest, uh, Al Fanning. No, no, even younger than her. Um, Really good. Una? Uh, Possibly, I don't know. Una Lawrence. She's so young, she doesn't have a name. (laughs) O-O-N-A, what a weird name, I've never seen that before. Um, And it's an interesting story. Maybe I'm missing something, or maybe the intention was to do this to... um, comment on something else and it just went way over my head it's very entirely possible that that happened um and i'll try not to spoil it but to me i was going into this movie thinking it was something totally different and it is a very slow drawn out melodrama and i love a good melodrama like you don't need to tell me but uh it is really slow paced um, until something happens but it's not even that like exciting of a thing that happens and then the repercussions of that are way different than what I thought this movie was going to be so I don't know I don't think that is Sofia Coppola's 
fault. I think that's the way the movie was marketed to me. I thought it would be a much bigger women take revenge on this man, blah, blah, blah. Like I was, and I was all in for that. I am 100% there for that. But to me, this movie just came across as showing the um, almost like cattiness of women fighting over a man, which was so weird for me to see. And like I said, maybe that was the intention, but as an audience member thinking it was going to be something totally different, it was like, oh, like we're resorting to this. <laughs> it just seems like, like why, like yeah. why make a movie like yeah, this like, right now? It's like views on what a woman should be in. I realize I'm telling, like, this is me saying this, like, uh, it's views on like what a woman should be at that time. where like, are super dated. Like, I get that it takes place in the South, but like it's also like a war movie that doesn't have like a single shot of the war in it, which is cool and not cool. Um, so it like definitely plays with what type of movie it is, but like I don't know. It was not what I expected and not in a good way, but it's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that, given Sofia Coppola's record of movies and movies I've liked by her. Uh, It's definitely on the lower end of her films. I think I've only seen one movie of hers that I've liked. (laughs) Lost in Translation. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's it's the best. Virgin Suicides is really great. Um, Re-Internet's pretty good. Then Somewhere is not that good. But this is better than Somewhere. What about the the Bling Ring? Oh, Bling Ring. I forgot that she did that. No, I like Bling Ring. Hmm. Okay, Colin do, you, Colin. do you think if they if it took place in present day and the South had won the Civil War, that <laughs> maybe at least the female characters would be better developed? It would be more interesting. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I would love to hear if I'm like the only one who has this like thought, but like it was just so shocking to me that. Every single character is like, how do I get this guy to pay attention to me? Fuck me. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> which like, I love that. I, I could, I could, I could be 100% on board for that. If like it went to like, I'm going to really try to fuck this guy. <laughs> I could be on board for that. But it was like, not that I don't, it was very strange. It sounds like it was the, beguiling. Let's just say that. It sounds like the little hours is the movie for you then. Oh, with uh, uh, Aubrey Plaza and Allison Brie and Kate Micucci as like foul-mouthed, like sex-starved nuns. Oh, I, I'm there. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's at Main Art Theater. Right okay, now. it's the he, deal. <laughs> yeah, it's got like Dave Franco in it and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I didn't so, uh, that that movie didn't beguiled didn't interest me. Not not my type of movie. Which is weird because I loved Far from the Madding Crowd. Mm. That movie was great. <laughs> Well, I mean, like in like the tagline is like women go bad or something. And like they really don't. Like women go catty. Like when when like good girls go bad. Like that's like the tagline for the thing and it's like they don't. They just like try to have sex with this guy until something happens and they try to get him out of the house. Like that's it. Huh. <laughs> Fun. 
fun. I thought there would be like torturing and like monologues about like how badass. Would, none, none of that. So I was led under false pretenses. I think. Hmm. That, that can change the way that you view the way it's marketed. Absolutely. Um, uh, so do you recommend think, it? Um, I do. It's definitely something that I would wait till it comes on streaming somewhere. Um, like I said, it is a beautiful looking movie. Um, and I love how throughout the film, you like I said, you never see any sign of like, I mean, you see signs of war, but you never see any battle. But there's constant like sounds of cannons going off in the background. Mm-hmm. And like you can see like the flashes when it's dark, when it's dark outside. I love that touch to it. Okay. Um, just something about the characters and how they're reacting and reacting to each other. Just I feel real. I was not for that. Or it felt real, but it just not not needed. It it felt dated. Like I thought that given Sofia Coppola, she could, you know, be the one to like take this story and then flip it and give it a very modern touch to it. Because that's what she right. does. Yeah, because it's a it's, yeah, like Marie Antoinette exactly. and stuff. And but it, it's like it's based off a novel or based off another movie. I think or? it's based off a movie that's based off a book. Yeah. Okay. Because Clint Eastwood did the other one. Oh. Um, and I hear that that one is actually really good. Hmm. And I don't know how similar in movies they are because I've never seen the other one. Right. But. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, well, I thought that j- she could modernize it and make it, you know. <clears throat> Well, yeah, clearly she needed helicopters in the background instead of cannons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, just took, it just took place in present day. Yeah. This would all be solved. <laughs> I'll stop beating that dead horse. Um, <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes, guys, that also came out, and I also didn't see it. Not because I don't want to or didn't have the opportunity to. I actually had a couple opportunities to see it. Um, but I hadn't even seen the second one yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Which a lot of people may think it doesn't matter, but no, I haven't. I've, I've decided not to see it until I see the second one. You guys both saw the new Planet of the Apes movie, yes. Mm-hmm. And was it uh, everything everyone says it is? I. It's funny because I was expecting something different, but it still exceeded my expectations. <laughs> like I was expecting more of a war. And it, there are a lot more intense themes about um, survival and um, concentration camps and genocide uh, and extremism that I just like kind of blew me away. And it's really self-contained. Um, really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think a lot of people will like it just because of how it's a little slower but it's intense and sad and um i think a good setup well not a good setup it's a good send off for the entire trilogy which is honestly one of the best trilogies of the past decade um in this decade at least Callan? Mm-hmm. um i was a huge fan of rise of planet of the apes not as huge of a fan as some people were for dawn but I really enjoyed this movie. Um, first off, the visual effects are so incredible in this. There's for the 
probably every shot of the film, I'm like, oh, I'm looking at a real ape. This is very impressive that they got a real ape to do this work. Yeah. <laughs> it is insane. And it's, I don't think it's because it's a mammal, it's fur, but the hair and everything, the way it just moved and it's so detailed, it was impeccable. Like, only thing missing, monkey dicks. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a hundred percent. It's only ninety five now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what monkey dicks monkey is five percent. <laughs> monkey buttholes? No. They, yeah, they don't really have pronounced monkey butts. No, no, no. Takes <laughs> <laughs> me right out of it. Um, Why don't they performance capture the butthole? <laughs> <laughs> put little put little dots around. <laughs> hey. I'm not going to say no to that. I'll performance capture any butthole. <laughs> hey, yo. Um. So, given that it's I'm sorry, a little fantasizing about things there. Um, <laughs> the visual effects incredible. Story so different than what I thought it would be. Um, and this is a case of it being so different and me enjoying how different it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's some really great action sequences. That first one is the best. Great. Yeah, um, it's scary too. Yeah. Yeah. It is super intense. Um, and even the final one is pretty good too, but not as good as that first one. And then through in the middle of it, oh, we're doing a prison breakout movie. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a hour of prison breakout and it's like, oh, fucking Shawshank Redemption. Sure. Let's do this. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The, the last half of the movie is all about escaping. Yeah. Um, and it's scary. It's a scary movie. Like the Woody Harrelson does his best Marlon Brando impression <laughs> from uh, Apocalypse Now, and it's just bald and terrifying and yeah. delusional. But you, he's evil, like like straight up. Yeah. But you get like where he's coming from and the desperation that the human characters are facing. Um, you know, they're trying to save the human species, and he will do anything to keep make that. But it, he resorts to concentration camp and slavery and um, murdering his own mm-hmm. to, to make sure that that happens. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> I, uh, I was really like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the way to put it, but I was, I was really hit by this film, just how deep it's like philosophical questions are about, uh, leadership and what a a leader how a leader can fall apart when he is like driven by uh, vengeance and because Caesar that happens to Caesar and it's all about like because you haven't seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes but there's a there's a character in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes that is named Koba who is extremely fascinating mm-hmm. and that they bring that back and like their their relationship between Caesar and Koba because Koba helped Caesar in Rise of the Planet of the Apes survive and escape. He was like his right hand man. Um, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes explores that relationship and and then War for the Planet of the Apes also revisits that relationship on how it's changed Caesar. So there's a lot. They, these are hu- superhuman characters. I know I know that's like so overused with these movies, but the, it's great. Um, it's hard to talk about without like giving too much away. Yeah, but it's it's also really dark. Like there are these apes that defect and go to the human side because mm-hmm. they're promised to be saved. Um, yeah, 
um, just really adult and mature themes on war and survival. Yeah, like going just back to the visual effects, it is so important that the visual set effects were so good because these apes are so human mm-hmm. that if you just replace the apes with humans or you know any <clears throat> type of minority or something, it it would work perfectly because these apes are so developed and presented to you and acted just incredibly. Um, it, it it feels so real, even though I'm watching apes mm-hmm. go through this stuff. I'm like, oh, you you know, you can attribute uh, any type of you know person that is different or quote unquote different, right? Um, to these apes, and it rings pretty true. Yeah. Well, they say with without the special effects, if they took all that away, it's still a movie of, with people acting about mm-hmm. like apes. Yeah. You know. They're they're in the scene with them. It's not like they're using blue screens or anything. Yeah. Um, and this brings up another thing we've talked about in the past, but like an Oscar for motion capture, that they should just give to Andy Circus every year because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he is incredible. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, and he deserves all the credit. They're not going to do that this no, year. No, unfortunately. But hey. The, the, just even not only does he you know hit the beats emotionally you know with everything he does with his face and with with, with his words too just the physicality like he does is so so great and i don't think appreciated by a lot of people i think a lot of people be like oh he was really good in that but like what he does to his body and everything is so impressive um mm-hmm. there and there's i don't think there's many a handful of actors i think could probably do that what he does mm-hmm. yeah and steve zahn is in this he yeah. uh he plays um bad ape the the ape they come across in the mountains oh really yeah and he's really good <laughs> he is really good yeah he's like a comic relief character <laughs> but like it works. It's not like stupid or anything. And you laugh. Like he has a goofy face. He's kind of like hairless just because he's older. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's from the zoo. Like he he's a escaped zoo ape, and uh, he's really interesting. Um. <clears throat> Speaking of performances, I loved Donald Trump's performance as the orange orangutan. It's <laughs> really good. That that orangutan in every one of these movies looks the best. Yeah, I don't know does. how they do it. With the orangutan looks amazing. Uh, his name is Maurice. I don't know who plays Maurice. Uh, that is the character like I can most like just like fall into like the eyes and everything expression that oh. Maurice does is so good. Interesting. Karen Conaval plays Maurice, a, f- a woman. It's great. It, that that. <clears throat> and that is most maybe not look wise, but like action wise, that is the most human I think character in in the movie. Yeah, pretty great. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm pumped to see. I gotta catch up on the second and then this one. I I, I used to love that franchise, the '60s and '70s movies. As a kid, I used to watch those all the time. Um, yeah, and you know they do a good job of. Um, setting up those movies and explaining why the humans in those movies can't talk and um, other stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to give away anything. But but it, the poster is extremely misleading. <laughs> yeah. There's never a moment where 
all the apes are faced off with the humans like that. Um, mm. But it, it's great. It's a really good movie. 20 minutes too long, maybe. Maybe. It's a long one. It's a long one, but it, it didn't, like, I don't think it hurt it at all. Um, no. But my one thing I will, like, talk about is the way the humans at the end... Oh, I can't give anything away, but there's a, a strange military tactic that these, <laughs> these these soldiers use, which just doesn't make any sense in, <laughs> in modern military times. Um, just like a huge wall of like soldiers with guns just running down an open field, like like yar, like charging as if it's like the medieval days, uh, and it just makes <laughs> no sense at all. Like, why would they <laughs> attack like that? Um, but then the ending wouldn't happen if they didn't do that. Yeah, so. <laughs> <clears throat> um, highly recommend. You got to see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I think it's available on Amazon Prime if you have that. Hmm. Um, Dawn is great. Rise is good. I know you said you don't like Dawn as much. I don't. No. I loved it. Um, I like Dawn. I got my dad watching it. Like I was like, these are really good, and he's like, I don't know. I'm not really interested in this. And we watched it for a while, and like the first like half hour to an hour of Dawn is. Yeah, like no talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just apes signing and like going through their daily lives. That's what I liked about that movie. Then once yeah. all the humans come in, I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, there's always the asshole yeah. human character who shows up and ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, usually yeah. An, usually an orange orangutan looking <laughs> human character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so uh, we will get to the two movies that we all three saw. We'll we'll, we'll do this relatively quickly, but we want to. Uh, cover Spider-Man Homecoming and Dunkirk, which came out a couple of weeks ago. I saw it last. I saw it this Friday. Um, let's start with Spider-Man Homecoming, guys. Uh, Spider-Man officially back in the Marvel universe, and uh, so that's you know with the Avengers and all that stuff. Uh, of course, we saw Tom Holland in uh, Captain America: Civil War last year when we did our live uh, podcast at MJR in Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, what did you guys think of Spider-Man Homecoming? Did it live up to the Spider-Man movies that we get every other year now? <laughs> um, was it better? Was it worse? <laughs> did you feel like you needed it after you saw it? No. Uh, how did you guys ex- experience the, the new Spider-Man movie? No one needs a new Spider-Man, but we're given a new <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, you know, it was, not- it was actually much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and mostly because it is a really fun movie. Um and which, you know, Marvel is pretty good at, you know, delivering us fun movies to watch. I mean, I do think it's still burdened by what every Marvel movie is burdened by. The fact that there's so much pre-story going into it that if you didn't see Civil War, like, <laughs> like, like everything almost is like too, like, what's the word? Like, there's not enough exposition which normally there's always too much but like i i you it's an origin story but it's not an origin story because it's like the second time we've seen him and because his origin story was pretty much in civil war so i think it gets bogged down by that but uh it is i think that's it's the best part of it that there wasn't an origin story like we didn't need it yeah i i agree we don't need it but like if you hadn't seen civil war like 
how the fuck did he like get True. on the yeah. suit? Like, who's Tony yeah. Stark? And why? Why did? They, why do they know each other? Why is he hitting on his aunt? Like, I guess so. Yeah. Like, there's so much that you need to have known. It's it's almost like a sequel to Civil War, which mm-hmm. is, is my overall problem with everything in the Marvel thing, not necessarily just this movie. Yeah, just to touch on that, I mean, I saw it with Liz, who didn't see Civil War, and uh, she, she loved the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, she loved Spider-Man Homecoming, but she also was like, you know, but at the same time, I, I really didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she was like, I had no idea what any of that was. Yeah. Um, All that being so, said, it is a fun movie. and It's super fun, yeah. It's I like that they, it is almost like a genre movie, not a superhero movie, but it's almost like a, teen 80s movie like with what they have going on there which i really really liked and i really really love that it was finally like a villain and problems that aren't like world catastrophic yeah right like like it's so overwhelming that it was like you know a crook like stealing shit and that was like the main villain And and I and I don't I mentioned I want to hear your thoughts, but I, I just to build on that, Colin, not only are the is the villain and the problems kind of down to earth and, and small, um, aside from this last crazy yeah. airplane fight, the, the the action scenes were really like, you know, he's just chasing a van or he's trying to swing into the top of the Washington Monument. Mm-hmm. Like they that's how superhero action action scenes should be. Mm-hmm. In my mind, like it, it's, you know, more like how is Superman going to stop this plane from crashing uh, rather than, you know, fighting four million aliens in the, the downtown Manhattan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved all the action scenes of this movie and especially the Washington Monument thing where he, you know, swings from the helicopter to get more momentum. Mm-hmm. I thought that all that stuff was really impressive and cool and, and kind of back to basics for superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, Mitch, did you did you have a, a good time with this film? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yes, I did. I really did like this movie, and um, I liked I liked how it started with the little like how he's videotaping or yeah. videotaping. Gee, there's an old word. Um, <laughs> there's an old phrase. He is uh, like shooting on his iPhone, like his experience with Happy and like getting the suit, and he's like. A, what do I do now? And then he shows up. He's like, that's Captain America. And uh, I like that. It was fun because we don't need to see uncle Ben dying. Mm, We don't need to see, you know, all that shit because we've seen it and we know it. Um, So this was a great like movie about your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I just, I was kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say blown away, but I really, really was taken by this movie. I, I liked the aspect that it was mostly a teen high school comedy drama, um, more about Peter Parker than it was about Spider-Man. It was like a Peter Parker movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I just, I love the action as well. And there really isn't much that I didn't like about it. So, I mean, I, um, I, uh, what was I going to say? I think that, you know, there's also part of, like, you know, we keep talking about how, like, it's more of a Peter Parker thing. It's more of a down-to-earth thing. It's more of a high school movie. Um, even, like, the, the problems that he has in this movie uh, boil down to things that are kind of superficial teen problems. But you feel for him in that sense. I mean, there's a scene where 
even even when there's a scene that's not a superficial team problem, but where he's you know basically willing himself to get through an obstacle, and he's going, "Come on, Spider-Man! Come on, Spider-Man!" It was like a, extremely emotional because he, he's a child, mm-hmm. you know, like he really is. Was he like of fifteen playing, playing or so? A game, you know, like he's. I don't know. It was. I found that whole scene really emotional. Um, and I, and I think because we're we're kind of doing a, a surface level review of all these movies, I don't want to get into spoilers. But uh, the the one biggest takeaway I had from Spider-Man: Homecoming uh, was that this was the first time in a genre superhero, whatever you kind of want to call these movies, first time in a long time, maybe since The Dark Knight, honestly, that I was a hundred percent genuinely surprised by a, a quote-unquote twist. I Same. too, um, I guessed. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> I, I, the way that they crafted that is absolutely genius, and I, I, I can't get. I, I, try, I, I came home after seeing it and just tried to kind of write down like, how did they do that? Why <laughs> did it work? And you know what, what was going on there? I mean, part of that honestly is casting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, it was uh, yeah, completely blown away by that twist, yeah. and no idea it was coming. No idea. I, the, my entire theater like gasped mm-hmm. and went like, "Oh shit!" Like as soon as it happened, um, you know, yeah. And I'm pretty good. I think I have a pretty good track record of calling. You know, when I see something, mm-hmm. saying like, "Oh, that's, uh, that's what's going on." This yeah, this time I will fully admit. No fucking idea that that yeah. was coming. <laughs> and there are like there are hints to it now that when I think mm-hmm. about it, where he talks about his yeah, family yeah. and whatnot. But um, yeah, did not yep. see that coming. And I just he and I guess it's hard not to talk about spoilers. Uh, but Michael Keaton is amazing in this he movie. Is. Yeah. He yes, he is really amazing. good in this movie. He's one of the best Marvel villains absolutely. ever. Yeah. Um, because he's relatable. Yeah. He's a, like a blue collar, hardworking man who wants to do best for his family mm-hmm. and doesn't want, you know, the, the government and Tony Stark to be, you know, controlling everything. Yeah. Like I almost was like rooting for him at time. Like in the very beginning <laughs> when like the government comes in and is like, no, we're doing this. He goes, I have like workers here who like yeah, we have, have families. Right. And, like, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have a contract here, and yeah, no, I I really like that, and I I like what they're doing with that that plot line, that theme in these movies with Tony Stark being like, you know, a government dick. corporate chill. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't liked Tony Stark for like a cool like <clears throat> three movies now. Yeah. Um, we'll see. And after that twist scene, there's the scene in the car with mm-hmm. Michael Keaton mm-hmm. that uh, is like just a textbook Hitchcockian uh, tension scene. Mm-hmm. Like it was unbelievably well done. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Loved it a lot. Loved it. And uh, you know, you know what's weird? Uh, you know, there's all these rumors now that that uh, there's all these rumors that like Ben Affleck's trying to bow out of the Batman movie. <laughs> And uh, I know this is sounds insane, but <laughs> after seeing Spider-Man: Homecoming, if they're gonna do old Batman, they should just go back to Michael Keaton. Hey, man. Yeah. I mean, he is so good in this movie. So much presence. I mean, if you want to like a, a threatening, scary old Batman, he could do it again. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
I mean, he was just so good. At yeah, but movie. he's not jacked enough and um, <laughs> ready to like murder. So, right. yeah. yeah, I, I, there's a lot in this movie that I really liked. I liked all the the kid characters, um, mm. which is the most diverse school I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tom Holland is the only white kid in that in that school, um, which I mean is it's like a special like art um science and math mm. school or something like that so it it works it's everywhere yeah. yeah it works but it was also kind of silly um i liked his friend ned what, was that his name ned yeah his line um at the end when he's on the computer <laughs> and then he like comes up with an excuse why he's on the computer during home i don't want to say the line because it's really funny yeah it's good i I, I don't think anyone else in my theater laughed, but I was like in tears <laughs> laughing, like to the point where people are like, that fucker's laughing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was laughing really hard at that. Yeah, he's like, he gets to be the chair guy, guy in a chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, one complaint, one complaint. Uh, I did love the music. Michael Giacchino makes his second, I think, because he, he did Doctor Strange. I think this is his second Marvel movie. Mm. And they did this theme in the beginning of the movie that kind of interpolated the Spider-Man theme. Mm -hmm. And I just needed more of that. Yeah, I would have liked to see (laughs) more of that. It never comes back in the the rest of the movie. And there was just so many moments where you were ready to hear Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And it just doesn't come back at all. Mm -hmm. I'm obviously not singing, but uh, that would be really dumb. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. I like that beginning you know, when the Marvel thing comes Very rolling cool. in Very, and it starts playing yeah. that song, I was like, I was in. I was ready for yeah. it. I know. I was like, Liz and I were looking at each other just smiling, being like, yeah, Spider-Man. Wee. And you didn't even, just the beginning. Yeah. Anyways, um, what, I loved it. Right what do you think of, definitely. yeah, what do you think of Marissa Tomei as uh, Aunt May? I think it's, it's cool because it's just different. Like, I think, you know, I think they're, they're making an effort just to be different to be different in terms of like cinematic iterations of this character and these characters. So, um, the, the idea that she's kind of like a, for lack of a better word, ditzy, attractive young lady rather than the wise old woman that Aunt May usually is, well, I think it's, it's a good switch up. And obviously, you know, she does have advice to give and, uh, yeah, I guess this is kind of a spoiler, but just to go with, the Marvel Cinematic Universe trend. It doesn't look like Peter Parker's identity is going to be hidden. hidden. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> so like that's that. That's also an interesting change that I think that they are going to do in the future. So I, I don't know. I like it. It's not, it doesn't resonate with you the way that Aunt May did, I think, in the Sam Raimi movies, but um, I yeah. don't know. Well, it Colin, makes, did you, did it you makes see it sense too because. Peter Parker, like we said, is what like fifteen or sixteen. It right. would it doesn't make sense that Aunt May is like sixty, 50, like seventy years old. True. No. It like doesn't. it make that like she's way more age appropriate. Yeah. Like, right. but Peter's parents weren't you know fifty when they had Peter. I think one of the problems I have with someone who like Marissa Tomei being so attractive as like a figure, like a you know. A, parental figure for our main character is like it made me uncomfortable at times like the way like they would sit close to each other and she'd like touch his hair and stuff and be like it's okay you know I was like Ugh. it creep it just creeped me out like how could 
Marissa Tomei is <laughs> is like your aunt. It would be weird. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, um, what was it? I read that she is the same age as um, the main characters in Golden Girls when that show first started. <laughs> and that just blows my mind. That's really funny. Yeah. But <laughs> I, but yeah, I fully, I highly recommend this movie. It's also one of my favorites of the year. Uh, one of my favorite Marvel movies. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But like, where does it rank in the Spider-Man movies? You know, I don't know. It's weird. Those first two, I think, because it was before the superhero genre really retook off. Um, you know, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man kind of started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Sam Raimi movies, I don't know. There's just something about them. But that's also probably just a product of the fact that we were 12 when those came out. So I have a nostalgic memory of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's just as good as any of them in my mind. I think, yeah, I think it's in the top three. I think Spider-Man 1 and 2 are really good. Um, Spider-Man 3, not so great. The Amazing Spider-Mans can be forgotten altogether. Um, yeah, I, this was very good. It's it's definitely up there. But I still think Spider-Man 2 is one of the best superhero movies ever made. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... It's it's good. I I overall I I don't think I I liked it as much as you guys both did, I, especially since you know we've seen a lot of really good movies this year, um, most of them which that we just talked about. Um, so it's kind of fallen down in my ranking just because it isn't as memorable to me as something like Baby Driver or War, or the Planet of the Apes was as, as even just as far as an action movie too. Yeah, and and you know as we've said many times on this podcast. It's not really needed. I mean, I felt like almost at times this movie was made out of necessity rather than like for like artistic, like, you know, needing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's like, oh, we have to introduce Spider-Man into Avengers so they better get a movie of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just think, you know, you talk about Spider-Man 2 and the first two. I just think... When I, I mean this is honestly that the homecoming is is as well written as as either of those, but I think that those movies thematically I think will resonate longer. I mean, with mm-hmm. great power comes great responsibility, and you know, seeing Uncle Ben die on screen for the first time, you know, that those sort of things, and you know, and Peter being guilty about it. I mean, you know, things like that are going to resonate longer than right things in homecoming but i think it's just as well made and it's just as well written and and you know uh, tom holland is miles better than any other version of peter parker in my mind yeah i'd Um, agree with that and he doesn't look like he's 40 does that help Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i didn't really like the name though home peter parker no (laughs) homecoming (laughs) homecoming i mean it's this climax is Sat around homecoming. I know, but it, I we're, we're like in the dance for like five seconds, so it's like yeah. Oh. And there's the double entendre though of like, you know, the characters back in Marvel. Yeah, I know. I right. guess, but yeah, just like the what whole movie like takes what, place before what, homecoming, and then like <laughs> it's like oh, it's homecoming, like. So that's why they call it that. Yeah. yeah. What? Why did? It, what would you call it? Um, Spider-Man. Why? 
I call it Spider-Man Resurgence. <laughs> Relevance. Yeah. Anything R-E, you know. Oh, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Spider-Boy. Spider-Boy. Origins. Spider-Man. I did like the beginning when he's like doing all the small crimes, like stops that guy from stealing the bike. And then he's like, hey, is this anybody's bike? <laughs> like, <laughs> asking people. And then he, he like puts his note on it. Please don't take. This is your bike. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, it's funny. Good stuff. Um, all right. That's Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, Colin's going to come up with 10 better titles before the next show. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, last but not least, uh, well, maybe we'll see what you guys think. Uh, Dunkirk, Chris Nolan's uh, return to cinema uh, since Interstellar a few years ago is uh, released a couple weeks ago. Uh, World War II movie. Um, a lot has been talked about, about the, a lot of anticipation for this movie. And uh, now we've all seen it. Uh, let's get into Dunkirk, guys. What... Uh, What'd you guys think of uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie? Um, Which I would say, I think, uh, in for for content wise, it's different than than most of his stuff in terms of it's not science fiction, mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not a, it's not science fiction, it's not a superhero movie, uh, so uh, a little different. What did you guys think? Yeah, um, I think the theme for this whole episode has been it's not what I expected. And uh, culminating in maybe, to me, the most ultimate, not what I was expecting. Um, This movie is really fucking great, I think. Um, And going into it, it, it's so... What I experienced when I was watching it, it was so unique that... For most of the movie, I am just left mouth open for it, which... Hello. <laughs> but, um, it's what it does so great is, and maybe in because of his criticism for uh, his other movies of having too much exposition, exposition yeah, yeah. that uh-huh. there is none here. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it works so well. And like, there's no dialogue. I mean, there is, but like, there isn't. And it's there like isn't. such an achievement in directing as far as visually telling a story. The dogfight scenes are so fucking beautiful. The action is so intimate yet large. We never see the Germans. It's such like a personal story, but like not. It's one of the best. It's probably the best war movie I've seen since Saving Private Ryan. It is really, really great. Mitch, you're a big fan of uh, war movies, as I am. Uh, to an extent, especially, yeah. Especially vintage war movies, correct? Yeah, war movies where intestines aren't flying around the <laughs> right, screen. Right, right, right. You know, like classic <clears throat> uh, yeah. 50s and 60s war movies. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this? Did it, did it remind you of those? Uh, what, what were your thoughts? It did. Um, so first, I will say that uh, my opinion of Christopher Nolan is um, it varies between films. Uh, I think he messes up a lot of things and he tries too hard on a lot of things, but he is also a very visual director. Uh, Not the greatest editor, but a great visual director. And this is up there. I think this is one of his best next to um, The Dark Knight and The Prestige. Um, This 
movie is really meditative and it looks amazing that like um colin said the dogfight scenes were incredible i was blown away by those they're very realistic and fun and um I, the people i saw it with were a little confused because they're like i couldn't tell if like what was happening at times i'm like i think that was intentional because right? yeah like they're hard to see if you're right. if you're being chased by a german or if you're being chased by whatever and they they didn't like do any major close-ups and they shot real real planes mm-hmm. and spitfires it was just really fun um there i i really yeah like visually great um it, it captured the feel of the desperation and wasn't too too grotesque in a sense that like you didn't see anybody like who was really uh you know it, the the scenes of peril were peril perilous but they were also not like heart-wrenching I guess we'll just put it this way is like a lot of people drown in this movie and drowning is terrifying to me and claustrophobia and like people not being able to get out like Pearl Harbor is a movie where people drown in it and it like affected me because of like how horrible it was like I, I don't know if you remember that in Pearl Harbor there's like they can't get through like the one thing and the water just rises and then there's like hands up like trying to get through and they can't. They're all jammed in there. And like, that's horrible. I hated that. It really messed me up. But there's nothing like that in this for the most part. There are, there should be, but there aren't. Um, but you don't need it. You still understand what's happening. The one thing I don't like about this movie is the jumping around in time. Oh. I hated it. I didn't understand why it was needed. And it wasn't clear enough in the beginning with those title cards saying like one week, one hour one day or whatever and it was only until later that i figured out oh this is all in relation to the climax of where we are Mm. because there are some times where it's like i didn't need that i didn't like it didn't feel like harry styles character was actually it was actually one week away it felt only like a day a day and a half from the climax of the movie yeah and i think that's so I just want to say, yeah, you I've, go been ahead. A, I've been a recent critic of Christopher Nolan. Like I, I grew up loving him and I just, I feel, I feel like I'm a, I've said on this show a few times that like Inception hasn't aged well for me and Interstellar I thought was really not a great movie. Bad. Like I, I, I like hated Interstellar. Yeah. I, I did not like it at all. I was so pissed. Um, I've been a really big critic of Christopher Nolan's use of exposition, as you said, Colin. I've been really a uh, big critic of Christopher Nolan's uh, action scenes, I think, are always not that great. And I've always been a big critic of Hans Zimmer in the last you know, five years and his what I call behind the refrigerator noises <laughs> and uh, how that you know doesn't really translate well to, to cinema. But all aspects of those, I think, you know, there's not, there's no exposition in this movie that I think works really well. Um, the action scenes are incredible, and I think that if Hans Zimmer's score in this movie is way more effective than anything he's ever done in terms of his non-orchestral music. Like I think it works really well in this movie just to keep the action going. You know, because it's all one big action scene. And do and to this point too. Mitch, I think, you know, the why of jumping back and forth in time, I think, is because if you did a linear story, 
uh, of, of the events in this film, you wouldn't get the constant action. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it wouldn't wouldn't have the same experience of it's just continuous uh, tension and continuous. You know, it would work, but I think it's way more interesting. I mean, I also think you talk about how it doesn't feel like one week. Hold on. Movie, You're like cutting in and out. Job. One second. Okay, Ooh. go ahead. Anyways, I was just saying that I thought it did better explanation of relative time than Interstellar did. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I just think it did a really good job of basically being like, <clears throat> you know, what felt like a week for one person was an hour, you know. Well, yeah, and That's... if you didn't have that time, you would, I think, get like a three-hour movie, which like, this movie was by far, I think it's his second shortest. Because uh, that's also a criticism of Nolan. Is that movies They're are too long. long. Yeah. yeah, This was actually, yeah, this worked out well. Um, <clears throat> also, I'm confused. Uh, Harry Styles wasn't the main, main boy character. He was like another soldier they run into later. No, but he had like the most lines, I thought. What? Harry really? Styles? Yeah. 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 I don't remember which... I guess I... He was, like, the one who, like, wanted to... Who was, like, telling that other guy to speak because he thought he was a German spy. Oh, was that him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was, like, the the first guy we meet. Oh. Because he looks like he would be the singer of a boy band or something like that. Well, like, that was one of my... It's not really a criticism of the movie because I think everyone from, like, of that age in the UK looks a certain way. (laughs) But it's, like, very white, high cheekbones, short hair. Thin lips. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, very young looking too, which kind of added to the intensity of it. Um, but yeah, the the time the time stuff messed with me. I just didn't feel like it was necessary. And you're right, it was better than Interstellar for sure. But it just felt like one of those moments where it's like Christopher Nolan trying to be interesting yeah. and stuff. And I yeah. knew, and when I got confused, or when it came cl- became more clear to me, was when we see Killian Murphy's character later like when or earlier i guess in the in the lifeboat it's like well what the fuck happened like okay so this is before but how before because when we first are introduced to him he's sitting atop a sunken boat Mm -hmm. it it was like the time was just messed up for me it didn't feel it didn't feel like a week it felt like a day well for some it was but I, when I first started noticing it was when it was nighttime in one of the stories and then it was and they cut to the next to the next story and it was daytime yeah that's where I was and I was like oh okay so he's he's jumping around here. yeah these are these are taking place at different times and whether it was you know two days or like a week I, I didn't really care like exactly how far they were from each other I just knew that they were different and that's all that I needed right yeah, I mean, I, I thought it worked out really well. I, I it was just made it really interesting, and I mean, it helps with the no dialogue thing, um, to just kind of jump back and forth between times because you can kind of explain what's going on mm-hmm. um, without talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I just thought it was just a it was just a fascinating movie. Uh, the fact that there's not, not a lot of dialogue and. Um, you know, there's no really, there's no plot structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an artsy film in that sense. <clears throat> um, 
it's really just like the third act of a movie. It kind of reminded me, I kind of reminded me of like the last 40 minutes of Rogue One <laughs> was like what this movie was. Uh, but they decided not to tell any of the backstory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which was fine. And that probably would have made Rogue One better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Going on your point of um, earlier with Hans Zimmer's score, um, and I know you've been a big criti- critic of him, but and you said that his, this was really great. I thought it was phenomenal. And like his score, and maybe he's been working to this for a few years now, getting his tick, score. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Yeah, but his score <laughs> is almost bordering on sound design, where like... Yeah is that a score I hear or is that plane engines? And this was like super disorienting, which I think is exactly what they were going for. So maybe he's just kind of been working up to this with Chris, with Christopher Nolan and this idea of score being sound design. And it's, it's beautiful and it helps so much with the constant bam, the bam, the bam of, of the movie. And, and another thing before, I forget about this because I, I know Mitch brought it up about it not it being violent but not too violent. And like t- 15, 20 minutes into it, I was like, oh, if this movie was rated R, I think this would be like a war, like iconic war movie. And then like 30 minutes into it, I go, thank God there's no blood in this movie because it would have been too much. Yeah. Like it really would have been so overwhelming if it would have been violent. So it's like such a smart, and I'm mostly like, a person who goes, if you can make it an R movie, make it an R movie. Mm-hmm. But like, this was one time where I was like, good fucking decision not to be an R movie and be a PG thirteen. Yeah, it wasn't necessary to make it gory. Yeah, exactly. um, and I, I hate it when movies are like that. Like, I couldn't bring myself to watch Hacksaw Ridge because of how disgusting mm-hmm. it is. Um, I understand war is bad and war is hell. Uh, I don't want to see it. <laughs> you know um but i did you know i liked i really liked uh what's his face um oh shoot i'm drawing a complete brain kenneth branagh's character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but one of the you know another criticism i have of christopher nolan is dialogue and i get it's supposed to be like this drama and philosophical in a way but like the way these guys are talking are just so like uh like eye rolly and he's like you can almost see it from here home and it's like oh my god fucking you there isn't a better way to put that like (laughs) or a better way to write that there isn't you know and then when i guess you know when one of the characters gets hurt and is laying there he starts talking about he's like i just wanted my father to think I did something you know and it's just like is this really what you'd be talking about right now like you just you're you're dying like it was just silly there's a lot of moments like that that are trying to be like philosophical and smart and that is one of my main problems with Christopher Nolan is it's like pseudo philosophical bullshit that is just not needed and or it's so surface level thematic you know elements that turn me off um yeah, I mean, he always likes to. The dialogue is always going to be 
you're waiting for the it's not who you are on the inside it's what you do that defines you you're always waiting for the uh you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain you right. know he's always got like you're you're right like the characters are spouting the philosophy of the movie like point blank yeah mm-hmm. um but you know i i think it in a movie where there's no dialogue i think those bits worked better. I mean, it's kind of just like to me, I mean, I agree with you, Mitch, but it's kind of like to me that everything I ever criticized him for, uh, you know, worked in this movie for mm-hmm. some reason, mm-hmm. mainly because it's so minimal. Yeah. Like everything is so minimal. Right. Um, yeah, you did a good job. I, 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 like I said, I think this is one of his best movies, if not his best, um, just for how simple yeah, I, it is. I agree. I really do. How well I mean, it's shot. Daring. I mean, daring mm-hmm. for to, you know he's a blockbuster director, and daring for him to do a movie where there's no dialogue. Um, yeah, and daring to do a film that's about something nobody fucking knows about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I mean, right, I, right. I'm a history and not, buff. and not explain it. Yeah, I'm a history buff, so I knew about it, and I find the story extremely fascinating. And I mean, it's like a huge success story amongst like one of the biggest military blunders of all time, and if it wouldn't have worked and if we do, if they hadn't have um, evacuated all the people, like 300,000 men, we would have definitely lost world war two. There's just no way that we would have won. Um, and I, I liked Mark Rylance and that whole side of it. Like all these English men and English women with their boats coming to, to grab as many men as possible. That, that's true. Right. You know, um, yeah, and it, just the desperation of like Winston Churchill not sending in destroyers because he didn't want to lose them for the next fight. Right. It's like, oh, feel sorry for these soldiers mm-hmm. <laughs> going through this, and then they're gonna have to go back in three years, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm, I was all about it. Good movie. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I don't know. Let's see what sound design. I mean, I feel like that's gonna be. A, a, sure oscar nomination right yeah sure. yeah um, <laughs> visual effects too i think um like Pro- the production design yeah, yeah i like the way it was shot i like it was so, it looked so good yeah the the fixed cameras on the sinking boats Ugh. was like really disorienting and added to added to how, how disorienting and whatnot a, a ship tipping over is yeah. and the water like yeah. coming up um yeah this, i mean i think a lot of people criticize Interstellar, and I, um, you know, I, I'm on board with with most of that criticism. But I think one thing that Interstellar is really great at is the cinematography, and I'm so happy that he kept the same cinematographer on this oh, one. Yeah. Hoyt and Hoyten. <laughs> it's it's beautiful, and I am seriously considering driving to Canada to see it on 70 IMAX because I think that would be really really special. That's a goddamn shame that. The Henry Ford does no longer have a real IMAX. <laughs> it's so projector. I don't. I and I'm considering like calling or sending like an email, being like, "Why?" Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's because like IMAX didn't want to like fund them or something. Yeah. But like, why? Like, do it, Colin. You should do a, a Woodward's investigative report. <laughs> <laughs> They're only playing like science and nature docs right there right now, and it's like such a. I mean, not that that's not important, and like, but like, you have an incredible theater and sound system and screen there, and it's not being used to its full potential as like an artist like Christopher Nolan is like wanting to use it. Yeah, right. 
What about you, Kale? Did you see it in 70 millimeter or no? Yeah, I did, but what does that even mean? I, it I doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Did you see it in 70 millimeter or 70 millimeter IMAX? No, I just saw it in regular 70 millimeter, which is stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't do anything. The IMAX showtime just didn't work out for me, so uh, maybe I'll see it again because it, it is a short movie. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, I just had such a bad experience with 70 millimeter when I saw Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah. yeah. That I. So did we. Yeah, that made me mad. So I was like, fuck it. I'll see it on a digital projector so there are no problems. Mm-hmm. And I saw it in the Epic screen at MJR Troy. And it yeah, me too. worked yeah. great. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to say about this movie? Oh, I, and I'm sure you guys both as, you know, people who appreciate films and any listener, I get super, like, emotional and choked up when I watch, like, a behind the scenes of how much Christopher Nolan cares about authenticity. Like, and that's why I love Christopher Nolan. I might get a little choked up here. Like what he does for film and like making sure, you know, the extras are used that when like, instead of, you know, just digitally putting in people that everything's period appropriate, that they filmed in the same location, that it's all practical effects from what they can do. Like, I think that's so important and there's not enough people who make movies like that uh, today. So like, that's why I will always see a Christopher Nolan movie and support whatever he does. Cause it's a style of filmmaking that is not around. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Obviously it does help when you have the finances available to you. Of but, course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, I mean, the authenticity of this movie is, is astounding. I mean, what they did with actual Spitfires is, like, crazy to me. Yeah, that was fun. And I like the line. Um, it's like, Rolls-Royce engines. That's true. Right. Yep. And um, you know, I, the movie, to me, it was, like, emotional, but, and... But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like that. You didn't get, like, sappy music to, like, tell you how to feel. To me... There was just this shot at the very end when of Tom Hardy's plane like gliding, and just for some reason that shot like really got me, and I really started to like tear up because it was like so beautiful and so simple, like this plane just gliding along the beach. It it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same kind of emotional reaction to that shot. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he couldn't have landed on the beach where the English were. <laughs> Just kept swooping was, around until he, he lost the speed. I don't know. It was a very slow descent. I, uh, I, I don't understand why he didn't just use the autopilot and meet up with Anne Hathaway in France. <laughs> uh. Jokes, jokes, and jokes. You know, I watched that movie like two days ago, and I, I, I don't care. I still like that movie. I do, too. I, 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 I defend the Batman movies. I think they're all great. Um, I think, you know, I think Christopher Nolan's always had a bizarrely, I say bizarre just cause it's not the norm, uh, conservative like themes in his movies. Um, and I think, I think I get that a lot in the dark Knight rises, but, um, I, I do like that movie a lot. Like I, I don't know. I think it got a bad rap for some reason. I don't know. Cause I mean, how are you going to live up to that hype? What the Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was so much hype behind it. Yeah, it was too long and it had really dumb moments in it. <laughs> it's so. I mean, bad. 
It's not. I don't think it's that good. But hey, whatever. Whatever. Was did uh, you guys see? The, did you see? There's a Deadspin article called "Why Does Christopher Nolan Keep uh, Casting Tom Hardy and Then Covering Up His Luscious Lips?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does great work with his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I love how there's no really big actors in this movie, but the clearly the biggest actor is just not, you know, you don't even see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really, I did love that too, that there's, it's basically a bunch of no-name actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much the biggest actors are Kenneth Branagh, um, Mark, Mark Rylance, Killian Murphy, and Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. And Harry Styles, who I don't know sure. who that is. He was fine in it. <laughs> yeah. And he looked pretty good, too. That, that scene in the bottom of that boat when they're, like, waiting for the yeah. tide to come in was really nerve-wracking, but also, like, frustrating because it's like they're getting shot at and they're just waiting to die. Like, why not? Uh, it was like, get out there. You have the <laughs> rifle. Just at least fight. You know you're going to die if you don't. Like. There are, it, was a, it was a cool, interesting concept where like they want to <laughs> plug the holes, but no one wants to go up to yeah. the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry, your hands aren't going to keep the pressure of the water from coming in to keep the boat afloat. Mm-hmm. No, probably not. But some of them still survived. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you guys uh, recommend Dunkirk. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. My favorite movie of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wow. I'm not going to go that far, but it was good. I think it was top four for me. It'll probably make my top ten at the end of the year. But yeah, we'll see what, what happens with Star yeah. Wars and what happens with a bunch of other ones. Yeah, and the emoji movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> did you watch that video I shared with you guys with you guys? <laughs> no, but I did see it as a three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh god. It's pretty funny. <laughs> that that video YouTuber is pretty funny. And he makes he goes to like the premiere and he's just like, What is this hell? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, what is TJ Miller doing? I don't know. <laughs> right now? <laughs> right now. No, he he left Silicon Valley and then like said a bunch of shitty things about like the cast and like his friends and then he's in the emoji movie which is like the worst. They're saying it might be one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Uh But yes, highly recommend Dunkirk. It's fun if you like war movies. I I recommend it for like people like my dad who like war movies but don't like grotesque blood. Um, right, and I will say that uh, my grandfather, who's going to be ninety in October, mm-hmm. and who never goes out to see movies, uh, jumped to the opportunity to see this movie. Did he see it? And and he saw it, and I talked to him, and he loved it, and it's pretty cool. Awesome. Because he, you know, he's a big fan of World War Two movies, and was a you know big fan of aviation and spitfires and mustangs and hurricanes and it was really cool for him to see that movie so, cool yeah awesome um you guys have any uh recommendations while we wrap this up yeah oh sure i do let me think well game of thrones is back of course that's, all, that's just what i've been doing but um what day else did i watch recently it's on tonight we're recording sunday I won't, I won't be able to watch it until tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going golfing tonight. No. Tonight. It's night <laughs> golf. No. <laughs> a little Twilight. Yeah. Uh, no, I recommend Glow, which is a Netflix original starring Alison Brie. 
right? Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. I get her confused with other names. Uh, Allison Brie, Betty Gilpin, and Mark Marin, and some others. It's a really good show. Really funny. It's short. Um, ten episodes. It's a comedy, so that each episode is between thirty and forty minutes long. And Allison Brie's hilarious in it. The characters are complex, and um, it's just fun to see like wrestling. Uh, like behind the scenes of wrestling, but in a humorous way. And it's just, it's like an all female cast besides Mark Marin and a couple others. And everybody is just really good. At it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's very funny. The music's great too. Yeah. yeah. Totally. 80s. 80s all yep. the way. <laughs> Unapologetically. Yeah. If you like 80s music, you will really like this. Yeah. It's really great. Um, yes, I do want to see Glow. I'm going to recommend a movie on Amazon. I don't know. I don't think I've recommended it before, but you know, I can't remember to go back. Um, the Handmaiden is on Amazon Prime, um, which was in my top ten last year. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that Korean the, film? Yeah, yeah, Korean Japanese language uh, psychosexual thriller heist. Okay, movie. It's um fantastic. heist movie. Kind of. Okay. Kind of. Maybe. I don't know. It's great. It's really great and beautiful and funny and erotic as hell. I love it. Cool. Alrighty. Um, I've watched a bunch of weird things, but I, I just think this was kind of cool. Um, Netflix did uh, a Castlevania, the <laughs> Nintendo game. Yeah, I heard. I saw a, that. A, Cas- a Castlevania Netflix show, and uh, it's four episodes long. Like, it's really interesting. The whole thing's fascinating to me, and uh, it's pretty good. It's like an anime. Oh. And, okay. uh, uh, I don't know. I dug it. I did not really play the game as a kid, but I knew about it. Same. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's if you if you're into anime or video games, check mm, it out because it, nope. it's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I heard somebody talking about it and said that um, they uh, really liked it. So yeah. I probably won't get around uh, to it, but it seems interesting. It's just kind of fascinating to me. Um, all right, well, that does it. Look at that. So many movies. Oh, my God. And it's I like have a two-hour long episode. Sorry. And maybe next time we do this, we'll talk about the uh, Detroit movie. Atomic Blonde. And Atomic Blonde, probably. And Atomic Blonde, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, cool. So a lot more movies to see, a lot more movies to talk about. All right. All right, well, if you have any um, thoughts on these movies or things to recommend for us, or uh, death threats. Uh, email us at woodwardsfilmcast at no, gmail.com. Please don't do that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm at, at Mitch Haba on Twitter. And Colin doesn't uh, know his. I or, don't do Twitter, but you can follow you, What me, about Instagram? Follow me on Instagram and I'll follow you back. It's C O L L I N W O 7. Ooh. And if you're uh, looking for. Uh, Hot Tigers trade takes in the next two days. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kale Davidoff. <laughs> I was at the Tigers game the other day, and they were giving uh, Friday night, and they were giving out JD Martinez oh <clears throat> uh, bobbleheads. Gave those out. Yeah, bobbleheads while he was on like the Iron game Throne. <laughs> yeah, they gave him out. Yeah, it was That's weird. Awkward. Okay, well, we'll uh, see you next guy, guys, for Colin and Mitch. I can't talk, and I'm Kale. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, see ya. Bye, guys. Bye.